You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. desire for God to bring victory into your life, victory over that sin of addiction, victory over that sin of lust, victory over any sin imaginable, you need to stand with a broken heart in the midst of your ruined and selfish life and acknowledge the futility of your fighting against God. You need to stand there and God say, okay, I did it, I'm wrong, I need to come back to you. You need to turn your eyes upon Jesus, you need to lift up your face, look at God and say, Lord, it's you and you alone. Look to the cross. In fear and rebellion, David turned to the world seeking comfort and direction. He found instead betrayal, destruction, and despair. But as Pastor Dave will explain today, David reached this low point and remembered the Lord. God was so graciously waiting for David to return. He received all he needed, finally, in the Lord. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30 as he continues his message. Welcome back, David. on Ziklag to encourage David to get away from the Philistines. He needed David out of enemy territory. And some of us are dabbling in enemy territory. Some of us are hanging out in enemy territory. And the Lord will do whatever he needs to do to get you out of enemy territory. He will bring you back. In verse 6, it reads that David was greatly distressed. And the verbiage here in the Hebrew means that David was pressed into a tight corner. David was hard pressed into a tight corner, kind of like what a potter does to a clay. He presses it and molds it and shapes it. David was pressed in this corner. God had cornered him. God had sent him in a corner. All was lost. At this point, David had nothing to support him. No one in Israel was going to come to help him, he thought. The Philistines didn't want him. His family was gone. Everything he owned was gone, and his friends were turning against him. Imagine, if you will. David, standing in the middle of the ruins of this city that was once his, that had been burnt to the ground. He's looking around, and he knows that in his own self-will, his own compromise, his lying and his sin caused it. Standing around looking. I'm responsible for this. I'm responsible for this. Scripture says his own people wanted to stone him. His own people wanted to cut him down and kill him for what he had allowed to happen. Was he thinking, how low can it get? Was he thinking, can anyone get any lower than this? Well, the answer to that is, yes, folks. Someone did get lower than that, and his name was Jesus Christ. He got to the lowest of low when the father turned his head away and said, Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Nobody experienced the pain, and no one suffered like Jesus Christ suffered. David was at his youngest point, like I said. But at the end of verse 6, 
we see David's true heart come to light. Look at the end of verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Oh, that's why I couldn't get much further than these scriptures. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. This was backslidden David. This was wayward David. Why would God strengthen him? Why would God even look upon him? Because God is rich in mercy and God is rich in grace. And because David was now completely broken, he was completely done, he was now void of anything, and he was ready to be filled. He was ready to be filled again, and that's what we have to do. And that's what has to happen to us. God has to devise us of everything. He has to take everything away sometimes so that we're then ready to be filled with him. He puts us in that corner where we can't do anything but cry out to him. We're all alone. Nobody loves us. Everybody hates us. We want to eat dirt. We want to eat worms. We're just sitting there all by ourselves, God puts us there so that we will cry out to him. David is completely broken. The realization of what he did hit him like a ton of bricks. And all of a sudden it's like, I could have had a V8. Bing. All of a sudden this realization comes on in his head. He was distressed beyond belief. But somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, probably the Holy Spirit because remember, David was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit. Somewhere along the line, the Holy Spirit, remember God's promises. Remember God's love. Remember God's deliverances from past problems. Remember what God has told you and all the things God has promised you. Remember those things. And David strengthened himself in the Lord. Notice it didn't say, David got up off his hands and knees, rolled up his sleeves, and said, I can do this, Lord. No. David strengthened himself in the Lord. Imagine this, if you will. David looks up to God. His face is stained with his tears. They've been crying all night. They've been crying and wailing all night. His face is stained with his tears. He lifts up his voice and he cries out to God. Imagine when he feels the Lord's presence come upon him, when he is renewed. Now, the Lord has never left him. The Lord never forsook him because that's what the Lord said to him. But he didn't realize it. Imagine when he came to and knew that the Lord was there. His heart melts once in, within him, and his heart just melts. And his weeping finally comes over, and the very moment David's path to victory is clear. From that point, from the lowest point he could possibly be, victory was ahead of him. Because the victory belonged to God, not David. The victory belonged to Christ, not us. And we have that victory. And when you get in that place, look upon the cross. Look to the cross. Look to the cross. Welcome back, David. Welcome back. I've missed you. Because imagine angels singing in heaven, rejoicing that one has returned. Angels saying glorious things because one has returned. Someone who was backslidden has come back. In this place, this is the place where God wants you at right now. An Old Testament with New Testament principles, if you truly desire for God to bring victory into your life, victory over that sin of addiction, victory over that sin of lust, victory over any sin imaginable, you need to stand with a broken heart in the midst of your ruined and selfish life and acknowledge the futility of your fighting against God. You need to stand there in God and say, okay, I did it, I'm wrong, I need to come back to you. You need to turn your eyes upon Jesus. You need to lift up your face, look at God, and say, Lord, it's you and you alone. Look to the cross. It's at this moment 
God pulled David out of the muck and mire. He pulled him out into his marvelous light. This is the place where God can bring you today. A God where there's defeat of enemies. The victory has been won on the cross. The victory is won. Our enemies are defeated. The victory is there. The victory is ours. We are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. What does David do next? Oh, look at verse 7 and 8. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod there to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. David required, inquires of the Lord, and the Lord graciously replies, Go get him, David. David would be victorious. David would be restored. Everything that he took and more would come to him, and he would be able to use it. So when all is lost, David encouraged himself in the Lord. And someplace, the only place you can encourage yourselves in the Lord when things are that bad. When things are that bad, David encouraged himself in the Lord, and that is a marvelous practice for us to do. It's a marvelous practice for us to look at, to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Something we ought to be doing in ourselves is encouraging ourselves. David answered his own questions in Psalm 45. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted in me? David was distressed. He was downcast. He was falling apart at the seams. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? What's going on? Bingo. Answer, hope in God. Hope in God. God will deliver you. We need to ask ourselves, why am I so discouraged? Things befall us every single day. Things happen to us every single day. Nice things, bad things, in-between things. All kinds of stuff happens to us every single day. I have to ask you a question. When something great happens to you, we're all ready to go, yeah, Lord, thank you. When something bad happens to you, we're always say, Lord, where are you? What has changed about God? Same God, different day. Same God. Same God? What's the matter, Lord? Where are you? What's the problem? We need to say ourselves, hope in God. Hope in God. He is our deliverer. We need to encourage ourselves. We need to tell each other, God is on the throne. God is in control. God is going to deliver you from this. I don't know how it's going to look like. Nobody knows how it's going to look like, but God does. And I believe that God's going to be victorious because he has been victorious. Name a time when God has failed. Name one. Throw it out there. You can't because God has never failed. He has never failed. Practice that we need to learn. Nothing is out of the hand of God. Nothing. He is always in control. A few of you today have seen the providential hand of God in your life. You've seen it. You were there, and you can attest to it. Praise God for that. A wonderful, wonderful testimony. Wonderful testimony. He is always working, even when you're sleeping, because our God neither slumbers nor sleeps. He is always awake. And when we get back into that balance, when we get back in that proper perspective, the Lord lifts you up, lifts you up, and brings you into victory out of the purpose. But confusion can be a deadly thing. 
And it seems to reinforce itself against you. Where did confusion come from? The enemy. The enemy is the author of confusion. If you're fighting with yourself or have some confusion, it's not of God, ladies and gentlemen. It's of the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee. It's of him. And don't try to rebuke him yourself. If you, you want to try that, go ahead. But you need to say, the Lord rebuke you. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the Most High King. We need to remind ourselves. A couple things we need to remind ourselves. Verse 19 of Romans 4, talking about Abraham. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to the Lord and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to do. Are you convinced of that? I mean, is that how you live your life? Convinced that what God has promised, he is able to accomplish? We need to remember these things. We need to remember what Paul wrote to the Galatian church. One of my most favorite verses in chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's confidence. That's walking in confidence. That's what I see David right now. He's walking in this confidence. If your life has been like David's, full of self-will, full of rejection of the things of God, full of the compromise of the world, the world, and you've been driven into a desolate and desperate place, remember that God loves you. And that he is still planning great things for you. And that he alone can deliver you. That you cannot deliver yourself. You cannot get out of it yourself. Only God can deliver you. The moment you start, stop fighting against him, the moment you humble yourselves before him, and when you encourage yourself in the Lord, and then inquire of him, just like David did, David strengthened himself in the Lord, and then he inquired of the Lord, should I do this, should I do that? Yeah, David, go get him. The Lord will give you the victory, and he's there in a heartbeat. He's right outside. He's right beside you right now. He can and will do what he did for David. He can and will do that for you. See, we always think that we should go back to the world. That's what David thought. David thought, remember what happened to David? He was talking to himself and said, well, you know what? That's Saul. He's going to kill me anyhow. I know one of these days he's going to kill me. See, already he's fighting against the promise of God. He's already fighting against the promise of God. So he said, he's going to kill me anyhow. I might as well just go. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'm in it now. I might as well all the way go in it now. I mean, I'm sitting up to this point. I might as well really do it up big. That's what David did. He tried to get back in the world, but the world didn't satisfy him. The world didn't work for him. The world didn't work because there was nothing but heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak, sadness after sadness after sadness, destruction after destruction after destruction, because the world doesn't want you, a child of God. You become betwixt and between. The world doesn't want you, and you feel like God doesn't want you. You feel like you have no place to hang your hat, have no place to go. You want to go back into the world, and it doesn't work out very well. There's a beautiful passage that kind of sums this up, for me anyhow, 
And I hope you can get the connection. It's in the Gospel of John. It's in chapter 21. It's verses 1 through 3. Verses 1 through 3. After, verse 1 of chapter John 21, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and this way he showed himself. Peter, Simon, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples came together. And Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going with you. And they went up immediately, and they got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. You read the words that Peter said here. Peter said, I'm going fishing. He didn't say, I'm going to kill some time and just throw a rod into the water. What Peter meant there is, I'm going back to the old life. I was a fisherman before, I'm going to be a fisherman again. And that's what I'm going to do. He tried to go back to the old life. And the other guy said, yeah, well, you know what? We'll come with you. Peter's trying to, to, to fill this void because Jesus was crucified. He was resurrected, and they saw him, but they didn't get it. It didn't sink into their hearts. They didn't get it. So Peter said, I'm just going to go out there and go fishing. How does this happen to me today? I don't know what I'm going to do. They were clueless. He wanted to go back to his old thing. Well, you know what happened? They caught nothing. This is almost like I, you want to say to him, so how's that world trip working out for you, Pete? How you doing with that worldly thing? You want to go back to the world? How you doing, fisher of fisher guy? Come on. They caught nothing. Zilch. I'm sure it was a long, long night. You might feel this way tonight. You might feel this way tonight. Maybe you've taken things into your own hands in your marriage. Maybe you've taken your things in your own hand into your career or in your finances or whatever. Maybe you're trying to fix them. Maybe you're trying to hold these things up, prop these things up. Maybe you're trying to use old life methods, old things of the world. How's it working out? How are you doing with those things? It's so hard for you because you're relying on yourself instead of Jesus. You're relying on yourself instead of Jesus. And like David, once you realize that the net is empty, once you've been fishing all night and you pull up that net, and you know what? I got to hand it to those guys. They didn't have joists and winches and stuff like that. Everything they did by hand. You know, I don't care, a net like that, even when it's empty in water, that's a heavy dude to pull back with that water resistant on it. That's a heavy thing to pull back. All night long, they toiled and toiled and toiled and got nothing. All night long, they're in the world and they thought this is what they needed to do. All night long. You know the story. You know that joy comes in the morning. Morning breaks and they see this guy standing on the side. Got a little fire going? What was that? Hey, yo, catch anything? Nah. Why don't you throw it to the other side of the boat? Throw it to the other side of the boat. Holy mackerel! They, no, I don't know if it's mackerel or not. <laughs> but I love the scripture. I love the scripture. And you know, it's, I've pounded my brain. I have looked everywhere for the answer for this. They pulled up 153 fish. It says that in scripture. 153 fish they pulled up. 
So many that the net couldn't break. And you know, once they get that net up there, once they get that thing on there, what happens? Who recognizes who? Peter. It's the Lord. He jumps overboard and runs. See, the Lord is in control. He's taking care of them. All night long, they toiled, toiled, toiled. They're back in the world and nothing's happening. You go back in the world and you get beat up. You get empty. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm kind of glad you're empty because now I can fill you. Now I can fill you. I can fill you. This is what happened to David. David had had it with Israel. He had had it with being chased by Saul and all his armies. Everywhere he went, Saul was there trying to get him. And they, they played round and round the mountain that one time. And they went here and they went there. And everywhere they went, Saul was trying to kill this guy. How many times did Saul throw spears at David? He wanted to kill this guy. And David couldn't understand. And finally David gives up. I know one day this guy's going to kill me. What? God had told you a promise. God had told you. He had anointed you king of Israel. Ah, I'm going back to the world. David slid way down. David slid to the bottom. But once he got to the bottom, the Lord was able to deal with him. Because once he got rid of self, once he got rid of flesh, once he got rid of everything he tried to do, the Lord said, yeah, I can deal with this guy. I can deal with this man. And he sends in this raiding party. Oh, man. I, the look on their faces must have been horrendous as they... We're walking. Now, you know, it's a pretty good city. And you know, when they burned the city, can you imagine coming in from afar off? The smoke coming out of the city because it was on fire. Wow. I bet their hearts began to sink. It says it took them three days to get there. It took them three days to get there, so they walked a long way. And they probably saw it from afar off. And I bet they started going a little quicker because they saw the smoke, and as they got closer, the smoke was bigger and bigger and bitter, and I bet their hearts were melting and sinking inside them. They were probably crying by the time they got to the city. But God used it. God used it. He showed mercy to David. His wives and all the children and the wives of the men were not killed. The Amalekites showed mercy on David, who showed no mercy when he was in a backslidden state. Don't return to the old life. The old life will only bring you tears, will only bring you pain. The old life will only bring you despair. You're new in Christ. Behold, all things are new, and you need to enjoy the new creation that you are. Let Christ fill every part of your life. Let Christ fill every ounce of your life, every part of your being. Come to Christ. You need to look to the cross. Look to the cross. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so should the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever looks at him will have eternal life. Look to the cross. Look to the cross and be saved. You are We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises. 
and it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear, God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out and let him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's word on each edition of A Sure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.